Log Talk Radio. Breathing, but I wish they'd stop. Uh, sounds kind of like Coach Saban's talk at me today. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, we're glad to have you. This is Kerry Clark, uh, one of your hosts from uh, BamaMag.com. I'm joined as always by Drew DeArmond of AlabamaIntel.com, and back in the studios who uh, pre-checked the show to make sure we weren't having the same audio problems we had last week. Thanks go out to Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine, and uh, we did get rid of our. Uh, underwater sounding audio and the uh, incessant <laughs> delays uh we found out that was a uh, blog talk radio issue that has since yep. been resolved we do apologize to our listening audience and we thank you so much for joining us this week we think you'll be glad you did because we have a great line of guests and uh i'm gonna let drew uh go ahead and tell you what the slate is tonight yeah absolutely carrie you know we're glad to be back on you know we had some technical difficulties last week but now we have an even more jam-packed show for everybody. Uh, we have had more good news for the Alabama football program since last week. Uh, had you know added Brandon Kennedy, who will be on with us after nine o'clock tonight uh, from Wetumpka, Alabama. Many think the the top uh, center in the in the country. And now tonight, you know, we're going to be honored to be joined by Ronnie Harrison Jr., who from Tala from Tallahassee, Florida, Florida, Florida State University High School, in my opinion, could be before it's all said and done, the top safety in America. He committed to Alabama this past Tuesday, uh, flipping from the University of North Carolina. Big addition for the tide and we're going to be honored to be joined by him tonight and uh, uh, someone I'm very close to who's been on this show before, a friend of this show, William Redfish Barger will be joining us after Ronnie Harrison's interview tonight. So to give us his take on Alabama's recruiting and the start of fall camp. So it should be a great show tonight, Kerry. Yes, and uh, again, we are apologetic about last week, but we are ready to go full steam ahead and keep bringing you some good stuff. And uh, Thomas will let us know as soon as he has Ronnie on the line live. But until then, Drew, uh, we are now uh, less than two days away from fall camp starting Friday. Um, What are you hearing about the team as, as we get ready to start that? Well, you know, I'm, I, we're really excited. I think uh, everybody's anxious to see Jake Jake Coker and see, you know, what what he's going to do, how he's going to assert himself early. Uh, you know, I think the attitude of the team has been very good. I do think there will be some suspensions 
uh, for the from for the, for the West Virginia game for some for some off the field stuff that that's been well documented that's happened over the the summer and the spring. But you know that that's just part of it. But I think that the team is raring to go. Everybody's anxious to see this recruiting class that came in in 2014 and see you know what kind of impact they can make. But speaking of recruits, Carrie, you know we're honored tonight, as I just got through saying, to be joined uh, by Ronnie Harrison Jr., the latest commit, the the 20th verbal commitment in Alabama's 2015 class, which is the top ranked in America. Uh, as I said, from Florida State University High School, Ronnie, uh, thank you for joining us on Bam's Radio tonight, man. We appreciate. It. No problem. Thanks for having me. No problem. And uh, I just, first of all, we always do this for our audience. You know, a lot of these, a lot of our listeners haven't, you know, uh, heard you speak and don't know a, a lot about your background. But why don't you tell everybody, you know, where you're from and what your background is and kind of and what position you play and just kind of give them some background information uh, on you as a player. Um, I'm from uh, Tallahassee, Florida. I go to uh, Florida State University School. I play a quarterback, a defensive back. I return kicks and punts, so I pretty much do the uh, whole nine yards. I also play uh, basketball and fo- uh, track, so um, I'm an all-around kind of athlete. Uh, I have good grades, 3.6 GPA. You know, uh, academics are very important to me, and uh, I'm glad to be to be uh, a part of the uh, Alabama family. Well, Ronnie, we're glad to have you in the family. This is uh, Kerry Clark. I'm with Scout.com and BamaMag.com. I know you've had some talks with my coworker, John Garcia, who's also a guest on this show. And uh, we, we are tickled to have you in the fold. Uh, I know it was a tough decision for you, changing your commitment uh, after being committed about a year to the North Carolina Tar Heels. Kind of tell our listeners uh, what all went into that decision, if you don't mind, Ronnie. Um, well, I went to Alabama camp, and I did, uh, I did pretty good. I got the offer. Um, I told my mom about it. I told my mom and my brother about it. At first, they really weren't uh, really weren't excited about it because um, you know they just they were just uh, all UNC, you know, because I had been committed for a year. And uh, I took a return visit and brought them with me. And uh, they got around the coaches and they loved it up there. They saw the facilities and they saw everything. And they loved it and thought it was a good fit for me. So um, I came back home and I evaluated it. And, uh, along with UNC and LSU and uh Alabama just Alabama just uh came to be a place for me. Yeah, absolutely, Ronnie. And what 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 was the key for you? I mean, uh I know that you were you know uh I it was must have been tough because, you know, North Carolina was somewhere you'd been committed to for a year and you had a close relationship with their coaching staff. What ultimately just put Alabama over the top for you? Um, my um, coach, Coach uh, Kirby Smart, and uh, Coach Saban, they coach the DBs. I mean, they're great coaches. They put DBs in the league every year, uh, first-round DBs. And uh, I could come in there and play early. You know, they're losing. They lost two safeties last year. They're losing about three this year. So they're really hurting at the safety position, and they really need guys to come in and play early. And uh, it's closer to home than uh, North Carolina. And they have all my same uh, my same major that I was going to major in at North Carolina in the sports management. So I mean that that really did it for me. And uh, also Coach Kirby Smart, he went to school with my dad because uh, he's from Bainbridge, and my uh, dad's side of the family is from Bainbridge, so he knows my dad and all my uncles. So that's kind of great to uh, know that he uh, knows my family and kind of comforting. 
And I, we really heard great things about your camp performance in June. Uh, once, and that was your first first trip to Alabama, correct? Mm-hmm. And just kind of talk about how big that was for you, because obviously they had evaluated you and seen film of you, but you to go down there in front of Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and, and Lance Thompson and perform the way you did, just kind of talk about what that experience was like when you uh, went to Tuscaloosa in, on June the 1st. It was a, it was a great experience. And uh, I, at first, I'm, I'm not even going to lie, I didn't even think I could uh, I could go out there and compete with uh, the best of the best. And uh, after the first, like, the first workout of the session in the morning, you know, Coach Kirby Smart came up to me and he told me I was doing great. And uh, he was asking me, like, all kind of questions about how the season was doing and stuff like that. And then I, like, kind of realized and got the confidence and figured out that uh, I could actually play, like, at Alabama and I could actually do this stuff. I just went out there and had fun at camp. I showed, uh, showed my abilities, showed what I could do. And Coach Kirby Smart and Coach Saban loved it. Ronnie, uh, this class seems to be uh, kind of have a special bond with each other, and I know you've only been a member of it for a couple of days, but even before you committed, certain guys would reach out to you on social media. I'm sure they were texting you and all that. Can you talk about some of the guys in your class that, that's committed now, the 20 guys that you've gotten close to already? Um, the quarterback committed, Blake Barnett, he, um, I talked to him a couple times before I committed, and then um, after I committed, I talked to uh, – Deontay Thompson is the safety commit. I talked to him a little bit, and uh, that, that's pretty much it so far. And, and as a player, Ronnie, I, I was going to ask you this. I mean, you see, I, your film is tremendous, and you're very versatile. And and first, I guess, first of all, to give everybody a, an idea, what is your current height and weight in your 40 time? Because I know that made a big impact on the coaching staff when you worked out and they saw you in person. Uh, I'm 6'3". 205, run a 446. Wow. And so, and what position have they told you you're going to play? Because in their system, they have a strong safety and a free, and they even have a, a star nickel who right now, Jarek Williams, who's a fifth-year senior from, from Pritchard, Alabama, near Mobile, plays that position, but he's more of a safety. What position have they told you that they like you as? Because I know you have – you think you're, you're – Covered skills are are good enough to be uh, as a cornerback. I, I've heard LSU even recruited you as a corner. But what is your, what have they told you about position they see you playing? Um, anywhere in the secondary, Coach, uh, Coach Smart told me I'm uh, athletic enough to play corners, safeties, nickel, wherever. He just uh, wants me to be on the field. Ronnie, one thing I like to ask all the defensive players that, that come on the show here with us, L- looking back at your varsity career for a few years, can you think of a particular hit that you want a receiver that kind of stands out in your mind? Uh, let me see. Probably, probably has to be the East Gaston game. Um, I was playing free safety and was covered one, and I was a free safety back. Everybody else had man. Um, I just dropped back. The quarterback threw it long. I came all the way across the field. The receiver went up to catch the ball. I just came across and locked him, locked him, like knocked him straight out. And he got the ball. That was, that was a big hit to me. It was in the uh, second round of the playoffs. And, Ronnie, we, we, I wanted to ask you, too, because I know you enjoyed your time in Baton Rouge. There was a lot of 
there was some nervousness and everything after you tripped down there, and a lot of people were thinking that uh, there was some people, some thought that LSU may have turned your head and you might verbally commit there. What was your trip like to, to Baton Rouge, and ultimately what 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 put still left Alabama as the favorite over LSU in your mind? Uh, Baton Rouge was a great trip. You know, LSU is a great football team. They're, um, they're, they're a great football team. You know, Les Miles is a great coach. Coach Corrigan is a great coach. I had a great time. You know, I hung out with uh, Rashad Robinson. He uh, he showed me around a little. You know, it, it was a great visit. But you know, Alabama is just the opportunity to come in and play early for uh, Coach Smart and Coach Saban. You know, Coach Saban is a great coach. You know, he he focuses more on the uh, academics rather than on the field. You know, a lot of people don't know that, but he he's he's um, a great coach and he he really cares about his players' character and the academics off the field. So that just really stood out to me. Ronnie, one thing I was curious about, um, every time Alabama gets a commitment from somewhere like Tallahassee or Miami or wherever, they, the, the people always wonder, well, what about the hometown school? I know you were Carolina and Alabama and a little bit of LSU, but what, what's the history of your relationship with being recruited by uh, or, or not recruited by Florida State? Uh, I know it's, it's, it's a long, uh, long story, but uh, – to make it short, um, I went to junior day, I think it was last year, and uh, Coach Pruitt saw me because Coach Pruitt was there. And, um, he saw me, told me he wanted me to come to camp, and he was going to watch me in the spring. He came to watch me in the spring. I did, uh, he said I did good, and he wants to see me at camp. So I went to camp, balled out at camp. You know, he said he was going to evaluate my uh, my fall my fall film. You know, I called him back after the season. He said he's still going to evaluate it. And then he left and went to Georgia. So then uh, I went back to junior day this spring, and uh, Coach Kelly was his new DB coach. He told me he was going to be out there in the spring to uh, evaluate me. He came out there, watched me practice. He said I did great. He wanted me to come to camp, and I was like, I was like, Coach, I already, I already came to camp. You know, I did everything. Like I'm, I'm at your guys' high school. Like, you seen me play like three or four games already. So like, why, why do I have to keep doing all of this and all that? And um, I mean. I just, I just been, I just fell apart with uh, Florida State. Growing up as a child, you know, I wanted to go there. I was a big Seminole fan because I'm from Tallahassee. But after a while, I just realized that uh, it wasn't for me. Well, and Ronnie, I, I guess that, uh, and you are going to be an early enrollee, correct? Well, and so what do you? I guess what now that you've, uh, you've just, you, you know, you you basically have your plan mapped out. I know. Uh, I like to ask this of all our interview. We, we talked. You and I talked earlier this afternoon, but I, we like to ask all the, the, the this to all our our guests on our show, so the the audience can have an idea. What what do you what do you think your strengths are as a football player right now, uh, going into your senior season? Um, ball ball instincts. Uh, I have a great knowledge of the game. I can um, pretty much tell what what the offense is going to do by the way they line up. Um, I'm fast. And reacting to the ball, uh, I just played with a lot of great instincts. Mhm. And and what do you think you what do you feel you need to work on to get better uh, to, to put your team over the hump? And probably just uh, being a little bit more of a leader, speaking up a little bit more. Like I lead by example. I don't really do a lot of talking on the field. I just lead by example. But at this year, I'm going to have to um, do a little more talking because we're a young group, and I'm pretty much the leader of the team because I've been playing. 
since tenth grade. So um, I'm gonna have to do a little bit more talking and just uh, work on my technique and watch watch more film this year. And we, you know, we talked to Coach Hickman. I talked to Coach Hickman yesterday, and this is what I think is going to put you ahead as a prospect, which really excites me. And we'll let the audience know this, but you play both ways. You're also the starting quarterback. Is that correct? Yes, sir. And so, how how do you think that, that helps you as a player? I, I would think you, would, with your understanding of offenses and defenses, it's got to help you at safety. How does that put you ahead of the game as a football player? Uh, it puts me way ahead of the game. I'm uh, I'm able to make my reads a little bit faster. Like, uh, I can tell from the way the quarterback drop back, drops back, like, what kind of pass is going to be short or long. And I can tell by the way that uh, O-line moves, if he's going to be running the pass. And uh, I can just tell by, like, certain formations and the way the wide receivers line up, like, what kind of routes they're going to run. And uh, it, just, it just helped a lot. And obviously, I guess the, one of the, the last question, you know, your football team, your coach – Coach Hickman said you guys were a quarter away from winning it all last year. You know what? How? Are you, are you, how what? I guess the goal has got to be to get to get over the hump there. I mean, what? Uh, so how, how is the how is the, your team looking so far? I know you guys are about to break for you know fall camp, but how? What is? How, what are the expectations this season going into your senior year? Uh, the expectations are the same every year. You know, state ring. We're trying to get a ring. You know, we've been grinding all summer. I know. Uh, I understand. Everybody's been there. You know, we've been, it's really a brotherhood. You know, we pick each other up at doing hard workouts, and uh, it's just you get a state win. But it's always the stages. You know, when when your district, when the region, and then win state win. But you know, everybody's focused. Everybody, everybody know what it's like to be there, and everybody has their hunger, and we are ready to ready to get that win. Well, and and I guess the last question: When do you, are when 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 are your plans to return to Alabama? Are you going to be a fixture this this fall at some of the home contests? When do you plan to return to Tuscaloosa? I'm actually going back this weekend, and uh, okay. I will be at a lot of the home games. And uh, what do you are is are you going? Is it you and your family going? Who's all tripping with you? Uh, me, my coach, and uh, one of one of my one of the younger players, uh, Mikael Young. He plays running back for us. He's a freshman. Okay, awesome. Well, Ronnie, man, we really appreciate you coming on for a few minutes with us tonight. We know you've been busy. It's been hectic for you. You had media day yesterday and then committed to Alabama. But, again, we welcome you to the Crimson Tide family, and we thank you for coming on BAMPS tonight. We appreciate it. No problem. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Roll Tide, Ronnie. Thank you, sir. That was great. That's Ronnie Harrison, uh, safety from Tallahassee, Florida, Florida State University High School. Another good interview on BAMS Radio. Uh, Hopefully you guys caught all that. If you didn't, it will be available on the podcast this moment after the show is over. And um, we are just in just a few minutes going to be joined by William Redfish Barger of AlabamaIntel.com. But, Drew, you know, when I was listening to Ronnie talk, uh, and I realized that he's played a whole lot more defense than the other young man I'm about to talk. But, you know, I'm starting to see some similarities as far as him being a quarterback and all and, and a future safety. With with uh, Ronnie Clark, it's kind of ironic. It really is, you know, and then they're they're similar in size and athletic ability. You know, Ronnie Harrison isn't you know quite as heavy, and I think he may change direction a little bit better than Ronnie Clark. But I think they're both elite athletes, carry. And I think basically uh, there's a lot of people still nervous, including our next guest, William Barger, is a little still a little nervous about Florida State. But it sounds like that door's been slammed shut. Well, it needs to be. And uh, we're expecting to be joined by William in just a couple of minutes. Uh, and, and what we'll do this time with William, instead of just talking recruiting, is uh, because he's got such good sources, 
We'll also yes. talk about some things to look at, you know, as fall camp opens. And I uh, want to remind everybody that, that uh, the gates open at 1.30 uh, Saturday, Sunday afternoon in, at Bryant Dean's Day and for Fan Day, of which you'll be able to watch the team practice in shorts and shoulder pads, get a look at Jacob Coker, maybe get a look at some of the kickers, maybe not. Sometimes they do their stuff before they open the gates. But uh, And then afterwards get autographs from Coach Saban and the players. And, uh, of course, Drew, uh, one of the fun things is uh, – the annual running of the gumps when they open up the gates. <laughs> Who's going to be first? Who was it? The the couple and their child were for first two or three years in a row. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we'll see who's first there, Carrie. Looking, everybody's looking forward to seeing an open, the only open practice of fall camp. But we now have on hold our next guest. Uh, we're glad to hopefully now technical issues aside, we we couldn't get it done last week, but we appreciate him coming back on. Uh, a good friend of mine, William Redfish Barger of Alabama Intel, joins us on BAMS Radio. William, how you doing tonight? Drew, Kerry, I'm doing great. How about you guys? We're doing, doing good, good man. We appreciate you coming back. Sorry about the issues we had last week, but uh, we've got them cleared up, and we're ready to talk not only some recruiting, but some fall camp, William. Well, you know, I wished I'd have been in a position where I could have heard the, uh, the interview with uh, Ronnie um, a little while ago, but yeah, I can't say how much uh, how excited I am about you know him deciding to come to Alabama. Um, you know, he's one of those guys. His recruitment and how he, you know, kind of burst onto the scene with, with Alabama reminds me so much of, of how Alabama discovered Amari Cooper three years ago. Um, Very you know, good comparison. Somebody, somebody that nobody was talking about prior to his uh, appearance at Alabama's camp, and you know the rest of the story is is well known now, but and I, I'm not sure if I've been this excited. And I don't typically get that excited about, you know, skill players. Um, I know a lot more about what it takes to play, you know, up front on both sides of the ball in the line of scrimmage than I do with skill players. But I, I just kind of want to put this into perspective for the listeners. Um, and this is not a, a slam in, in any case um, over another current safety commitment for Alabama, Deontay Thompson. Because um, I do think he plays faster on the field than he does, you know, in a combine setting. But just this will kind of put it into perspective on paper. Um, you know, at the opening, you know, Deontay Thompson was measured at 6'1", 177 pounds, and he ran a 4.7740. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say that you have to be a, a great 40 guy to be a great football player. That's not always the case. But if you compare that to Ronnie's measurables at 62205 and he just got through busting a 44640 at LSU's camp. You know, that's you know, I I think Ronnie Harrison is a guy that, you know, if he has a great senior year, um, you know, maybe gets an invite to one of the All-Star games, it would not shock me in the least if he's a guy that come January or February doesn't get reevaluated by the recruiting services and doesn't possibly become a five-star prospect. I, I agree, William. I've said the same thing. And one thing that really excites me about him, and I know you've watched film of him, but talking to his coach, and we had the interview up uh, today, yeah, today on uh, Alabama Intel, the thing that excites me most about Ronnie is the fact that he's been a long-time starting quarterback for them. Uh, he has a very high football IQ, as he just told us in our interview. He understands coverages, understands what the offense is trying to do. You know, he has a, a keen understanding of that. 
Uh, he And we also asked him, I know this is something, the one thing that you were a little worried about, we asked him specifically about the Seminoles. Kerry asked him about Florida State, and I'll let Kerry uh, tell you what he said. This is interesting, right. William. He said that uh, Jeremy was recruiting him and had had him come to camp and told him he did a great job and uh, just to hang in there and an offer was probably coming. And then Jeremy goes to Georgia and a new secondary coach comes in. Do you say Lee? Was that the name he gave? Coach Kelly. Coach Kelly. Well, Coach Kelly uh, tried to tell Ronnie that he had to come back out to another camp the next year and reprove himself to, to Coach Kelly, even though Jeremy had already pretty much evaluated him as a take. And the, Jeremy, the combination of Jeremy leaving for Georgia and Coach Kelly basically making him start from scratch kind of soured him on Florida State. Because the first question I get from Alabama fans, William, is, well, why didn't Florida State take him? If he's any good, why didn't they take him? And he gave a great answer. And basically the two just kind of had a little falling out because of uh, Coach Lee telling him he had to come back to camp again and, and reprove himself. He didn't like that, didn't appreciate it. And uh, they just parted ways. And so that's how Alabama ended up getting him, quite frankly, because if, basically if Jeremy would have still been there, he'd have been going to Florida State. Well, hopefully that bitter taste in his mouth stays consistent all the way to February because it's, it's very oh, difficult, yeah. almost next to impossible, to get a kid out of Tallahassee that Florida State wants. And, uh, you know, I, I really do. I think, you know, it, it's such a huge pickup for Alabama, you know, on so many different fronts. Um, you know, A, it, it establishes that, you know, the the presence and the panhandle that, that Jeremy established getting guys like Derrick Henry and Chris Black, um, you know, even though DeMarcus Walker ended up flipping when Jeremy left Alabama and, and went to Florida State, you know, he had done a great job down there, you know, basically from Mobile all the way to Jacksonville. Um, you know, one of the other, you know, one, in my opinion, the best recruiter on Alabama staff now um, you know, Lance Thompson has taken over that territory. And, you know, after the, the, the June camp where Ronnie went down there and just blew Nick Saban and Kirby Smart away, um, you know, Lance was basically tasked with going down there and, and making that flip take place. And, you know, he followed through and made it happen. I just think this is a guy – because, you know, I think if you look at, you know, what, what's on campus now, you know, obviously Landon Collins is going to come out early, barring, you know, an unforeseen injury. Um, you know, Jarek Williams and Nick Perry are both graduating. You know, I still think there's some questions that surround, you know, Hootie Jones. You know, does he stay at safety? Does he become a, a hybrid linebacker guy? Um, I think Ronnie Clark probably is in that same boat, um, even though I think Ronnie Clark's a phenomenal athlete. You know, when I look at his pictures and I look at him running around in high school on film, you know, he's at 218 right now. You know, you kind of hope that maybe the, the Mark Barron syndrome hits him and he doesn't get any bigger than what he already is. Um, so I think, you know, getting Thompson and, you know, getting uh, Ronnie Harrison, you know, is just a huge, huge pickup at, at, a, at a neat position for, for this Alabama program. I don't think there's any doubt, William. I, I, I agree. I think it's a huge pickup for Alabama. Um, and, you know, and the good thing is, William, they won't have to wait till February. Ronnie's going to be an early enrollee. His coach and he and Ronnie himself confirmed that. So he will, you know, be enrolling in early January. That will be good for Alabama in that situation. 
Um, I think you're right. I, I think he's, he could end up being the best safety in the country if he has a huge senior year. I think Deontay's a very good prospect. We've had him on our show. Uh, we will effort to get Sean Burgess Becker on, who's more of a strong safety. But that's an excellent safety class for Alabama. They've got two good corners in Montreal Custis and Minka Fitzpatrick. We'll, we'll look maybe to add a guy like Kendall Sheffield to uh, to finish off the secondary class. But some very good uh, athletes coming into the secondary, and I think Nick Saban and Kirby Smart are filling their needs, no doubt. And uh, it'll be very interesting to see uh, if they if Sheffield can be the cherry on top of the Sunday. Got made a little bit of a move for him. Yeah, and I think you just brought up a great point, Drew. You know, when you look at the, you know, the two corners that Alabama brought in last year in Tony Brown and Marlon Humphrey, and you know, even though there's still some questions about where they stick on the roster, you know, Hootie Jones and, and Ronnie Clark, and you look at, you know, in my opinion, Minka Fitzpatrick is the best cornerback in the country this year. I totally agree that Ronnie Harrison has the potential to be the best safety in the country six months from now. Hell, he may already be that now. Um, <laughs> you know, but they're getting the back end of that defense in a position to what I think they've already gotten both sides of the line of scrimmage on each side of the ball at in the last two classes, you know, with the D-line and the offensive line haul that, that they've gotten these last two years. You know, you, you can really see – um, you know, and some people think I'm crazy when I say this, but, you know, I, I still think, you know, this year is going to be kind of a, you know, a reload, rebuild. You know, it could end up working out better than, than maybe I think it will if some things fall into place. But I really think Alabama fans have an opportunity in 15 or 16 to possibly see the best defensive product that Nick Saban's put out on the field at Alabama. You know, that's saying a lot when you think about 2009, and then even two, and then especially 2011. But you're right, a lot of elite talent coming on. And speaking of defense, I mean, I would like to know the next thing is, of course, later on this week on Friday, Adonis Thomas will be making his decision. Uh, we know you talked to a lot of great, great sources. I've been hearing Alabama's made a big move with Adonis, and so I, and, then, or, and then the staff is optimistic they're going to get him. What are you hearing on that front? Uh, basically the same thing, and, and I think, you know, he was a kid that, you know, the staff was, you know, recruiting very hard, but, you know, after the decommitment of Leo Lewis, they, they really turned up the heat on him and, and made him a priority. Um, you know, Todd Wofford, his head coach, will tell you that, you know, once Kirby Smart turned the heat up on him, um, he just thought that Will Muschamp was recruiting him hard. Um, and Kirby took it to the next level, um, you know. And, and you know, and talking to Coach Wofford, he he got a little bit upset with me the other day because he thought I was calling to bug him about Adonis Thomas when I was really calling to bug him about his 2016 offensive tackle um, Price, who's a special, special player in his own right. Um, in fact, I even told him, I said, you know, well, if Adonis is coming to Alabama, let's start talking about a package deal for Price. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I, you know when I look at look at Thomas on film, um, you know a former Alabama player that kind of jumps in my mind to make a comparison to is is maybe Salim Rashid. Um, you know they're kind of the same size coming out of high school. Um, you know Adonis went out to the opening and, and busted a very very impressive you know low four six forty time. 
Um, you know, this is a kid that I think has probably flown under the radar, not only by Alabama, even though he's got an impressive offer list. Um, you know, this is another one that I think, you know, if, if he is, if he can increase his production on the field, and I, I want people to understand that, you know, college coaches, you know, they pay attention to what kids measure and what they run and what they jump at these combines. But at the end of the day, they don't look at highlight film like the rest of us do. You know, they spend hours of scouring game film. And, you know, at the end of the day, they want to see that production. You know, they want to see, you know, a Darren Payne, you know, make explosive plays and disruptive plays on the other side of the line of scrimmage. You know, they want to see, um, you know, their tight end prospects not only be able to stretch the field vertically, but they want to see them be a guy that's explosive at the point of attack and be able to knock an SEC defensive end off the ball. And, and I think this is a kid, you know, an Adonis Thomas that has an opportunity, just like Ronnie Harrison, um, you know, to shoot up the rankings ladder, you know, if he produces on the field this fall. William, uh, as a former SEC offensive lineman for Alabama and as somebody who enjoys grading the big uglies when you look at their tape, tell us what Alabama is getting in our 9 o'clock guest tonight, Brandon Kennedy. Wow. Um can't say enough good things about the young man, you know, Kerry. When, when you look at him, um, he's got an SEC-ready body physically, um, plays with a nasty streak, um, you know, has the feet. You know, I, I think it, it, it's almost a, a carbon copy comparison, even though I think Brandon's probably got him by an inch in the height department. I think he's almost the twin brother to Josh Cash. Um you know, got the versatility to play. Even though they, you know, they may not have the height, they have the skill set to play any of the five positions along the line of scrimmage. And I think what probably puts Brandon over the top as a prospect and what makes me at least hope um, that, that he becomes, you know, one of the centers of the future, I mean, that's just so out of the norm for a big-time SEC prospect. Um you know, and again, I think that's a, he's a player that I think if Mario Cristobal wasn't in the fold at Alabama as the offensive line coach, I think Brandon Kennedy, much like Josh Casher, is a kid that probably would have ended up at Auburn or maybe going out of state to, to a Vanderbilt or an FSU, um, you know, because Nick Saban was so pigeonholed prior to Mario Cristobal coming on the scene. And, and trying to get him to think outside of the box that, you know, every offensive line prospect doesn't need to be six four three hundred as a senior in high school. I, you know, I totally agree. I think Brandon can be elite. I'm really excited about him. And, William, I know we, you just got to be talking about a tackle of the future and E.J. Price. But uh, talk about Alabama would like to add at least one pure tackle in this class. Obviously, the top target is Drew Richmond. Uh, and I know they're going to the visit this weekend with him and his family coming back to Tuscaloosa for the second time this summer is going to be huge. But what do you what are your thoughts on Richmond? And then ultimately, if they don't, you know, pull Richmond into the fold, uh, well, who are some of the other guys that you like in 2015 that you think Alabama's got a shot at? Because right now there doesn't seem to be a lot out there on the high school level, at least in Alabama's uh, geographic region. And then even throughout the country, there seems to be kind of a dearth of OTs. And the ones that are elite, a lot of them are committed already. 
Yeah, and, and I totally agree with you, Drew, and, and that's, you know, something that, you know, I've kind of got my own opinion on. I think, you know, once you get to a certain point on the recruiting board, you know, in my opinion, I almost think it's it's better to, you know, pack your bags in and, and you know, start preparing for the next year. And, and I think if Alabama's not able to seal the deal with Richmond and his parents this weekend because – he, he's supposed to commit like the first week or two of September. Is, am, I, am I wrong? Yeah, September the 9th. Okay, that's what I thought. So, you know, we're, we're close to, you know, 30 days away from him making a decision. And, and the fact that him and his family are coming back, um, you know, so quickly after their last visit, I think is a positive, certainly for Alabama. Um, but but after him, as far as the guys that are available, um, you know, if they miss on him, I almost think maybe, you know, it would be prudent to maybe pack their bags in and start, you know, worrying about people like E.J. Price and, the you know, the Allen kid from Louisiana for next year who I think are two elite guys because, you know, the best guy that's still available out there on a national level um, you know, Martez Ivy, um, mm-hmm. you know, even though he's going to take, you know, one of his five official visits to Alabama and anything can happen. But at least right now as we're talking, it doesn't seem like Alabama is one of his leaders. And I really think based on, you know, the fact that Drew, I mean, not Drew Richmond, that Lester Cotton has already been tapped by the, the Alabama staff to start his career off at right tackle, um, Obviously, Cam Robinson's going to be a fixture at left tackle. You know, but they've got a little bit of a depth chart cell um, that they can play with these guys. You know, Austin Shepard's gone after this year. Um, you know, the, the future is still unknown about where Dominic Jackson is going to land on the depth chart at Alabama. So I really think that they've got a pretty easy sell with Drew Richmond and his family as far as, you know, sign up, come on in, and, you know, you can come in as a true freshman and compete for the right tackle spot, um, you know, with Lester Cott. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that works out. But, you know, I, I kind of think, you know, just in my own opinion, Drew, that, you know, once you get to a certain point in the pecking order, you know, at, at, at all positions, to be honest with you, you know, sometimes it's better to, not take a kid just to fill a spot. You know, I, I really right. think that Alabama missed the boat um, by not pursuing um, Jake Frew Morgan, um, the right. son of John Morgan, any harder than they did. You know, even though he's not a, you know, a five-star guy that could start out of the gate like a Cam Robinson or an Andre Smith, even a Cyrus Quanjo. You know, I think he's a guy that two or three years down the road after being in the program, in the strength of the Absolutely. I don't even have to say it. Thank you. Um, I think that was a mistake. But I, I really do think, in, in it, whether it's in this class, obviously Cotton, you know, you know Cotton and Kennedy and um, Pettibone are, are the bell cows there. I think in, in, whether if they finish it off in this class or if they can get Price or, or the Allen kid for Louisiana next year to go along with, you know, two years in a row, in my opinion, of signing the top interior offensive lineman in the country, you know, it's kind of like what we were talking about at the safety spot on the back end of Alabama's defense. If they can just get one or two legit offensive tackles in the next two classes, man, it's the sky's the limit with what Alabama's going to be able to do on both sides of the ball going forward in a couple of years. 
No doubt, William. And I wanted to ask you just about two prospects and what your opinion of them are. Obviously, one of them visited Alabama last week for the first time. That's Isaiah Prince from the Baltimore-Maryland area. And then a guy that's been connected with Alabama from the, the neck of the woods of, of Deshaun Hamm but has not ever visited, and that's Matthew Burrell. What are, you, are, you, are you, what are your thoughts on those two guys? Are they worth taking, or do they, you think that, one, that, once again, if Alabama is, does not – uh, procure the services of Drew Richmond, should they just uh, look for another position and just uh, let those two kids uh, commit elsewhere? You know, out of the two, I, I guess if you stuck a gun to my head and said, you know, make a decision, I guess I would rather take Burrell. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Prince, Prince is kind of, in my opinion, a finesse guy. He, he doesn't have, okay. a, you know, a lot of power at the point of attack um, like you would want to see. Um you know, I, I kind of liken him to, you know, Leon Brown, you know, in the sense that I think he's a good guy in space, but, you know, he's just not a guy that you can count on that's that's going to, you know, blow a, an SEC defensive lineman off the ball. And, you know, if you want to be successful at playing offensive line in Tuscaloosa, that's what you have to have in your toolbox. And I just don't see that out of him. You know, Burrell's probably got some upside there. Um, but, you know, he's not in the same league as, you know, Martez Ivy, um, you know, maybe even so so much as, as Drew Richmond. Um, you know, I just think there's quite a few offensive tackles, you know, but they all start and stop with, uh, oh, God, Drew, what's the kid's name from Texas that's committed to A&M for next year? Uh, Greg Little. Little. Uh Anybody that doesn't rank that young man the number one overall player in the country needs to be fired from their job of evaluating prospects. He is a three-and-done, once-in-a-ten-year prospect as a left tackle. And, you know, I'd love for Alabama to be able to get involved and, and, you know, change that around. But, you know, considering that, uh, you know, Texas A&M's quarterback went to his same high school, it's probably a moot point. But, you know, the uh, Allen kid from Louisiana and the Price kid aren't that far behind him. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see. And, and I do think that, you know, whether they can pull it off in the tail end of this year's class or next year, but, you know, getting that, you know, tack guy that can play tight end, that can be an inline tight end um, for Alabama and getting one or two legitimate, you know, offensive tackle prospects needs to be the focal point for the staff going forward. William, as we all know, fall camp is opening uh, day after tomorrow, and uh, there are several question marks on the current Alabama offensive line. Uh, we had a specific question from the chat room about Dominic Jackson and how he might fit in, but we'd also like to uh, – Get your thoughts on how the entire offensive line is going to shape up heading in between now and West Virginia. Well, you know, Carrie, I'm kind of at a stopping point, I guess, for, you know, saying how good I think this offensive line can be. You know, after spending some time with the Alabama staff a couple of weeks ago, maybe I had a uh, – um, I jumped the gun a little bit, thought maybe they struggled more than, than I sh- should have thought they did in the spring because from what I was told, um, you know, there's some coaches on the staff that think the, the defensive line of Alabama's in the spring might have played a bigger part in that versus the actual capabilities of the offensive line. Um, you know, there's going to be some interesting position battles 
Um, you know, I, I certainly Austin Shepard and, and Ryan Kelly aren't going anywhere. Um, you know, based on what I was told, the Alabama coaching staff thinks that Cameron Robinson has the opportunity um, in the next three years if, if he continues to, you know, work on his motor and his work ethic. He's got a chance to be one of the top five offensive linemen to ever play football at Alabama. Um, so when you get past those three, that leaves the two offensive guard positions. Um, you know, I know, you know, out there in Internet land, everybody wants to bash you know, Ari Kwanjo, um, you know, me personally, I don't understand, um, you know, why he's been getting some preseason all-SEC love. Um, that, that's just not realistic in my opinion. But I will say this, you know, he and Ryan Kelly were the only two Alabama offensive linemen that took 100% of the reps in scrimmage situations in the spring. So that tells me at least coming out of spring, you know, the coaching staff didn't think that they had anybody on campus that could push it. Um, now, that being the case, um, I think Dominic Jackson's permanent home is still up in the air, so to speak. You know, with Brandon Hill's departure um, at right tackle, all of a sudden, you know, you've got to look at, you know, is Grant Hill going to fill that spot back in Austin Shepard up? Is he going to slide inside and compete? you know, with Leon Brown or Ari Kwanjo for one of the starting guard spots. You know, that's certainly an area that Dominic Jackson, you know, could factor in at. Um, but, you know, the one guy that, that keeps coming up over and over in conversations with the Alabama coaching staff, that if Cameron Robinson wasn't already on campus, the guy that they're, that, they're, they're the most impressed with, that you may see push for a start and spot out of the gate as a true freshman offensive lineman's Josh Cash. Yeah, you can tell them his new nickname, William. What is it? I don't know it. I remember you. I thought you were, you had told me that. What? Uh, well, you silly as hell. <laughs> well, I mean, I was going to let weird, but he told me that coach. I guess I I remember little things like this. That coach Cristobal called him the little pit bull. So, uh, oh, he's yeah, obviously, I'm sorry. Well, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know, you know, looking back on it now, if he referred to him as a pit bull. But, no, he, he did say that, you know, he's got some concerns that once the pads go on, that, you know, he may revert back to, you know, being a 1960s offensive lineman and, and bite one of our defensive linemen at the bottom of, um, <laughs> you know, a, a, current, a current Alabama defensive lineman told me, and, you know, I think this is actually more impressive than anything that the coaches can say about him because this is somebody that's gone up against him every day and, and drills, you know, since he's been on campus since the end of May. But, but a current Alabama defensive lineman told me that it's a shame that he's barely six foot one because he's got the feet to play left tackle. And, and I think when you factor in that he's got those feet, um, that he's got the mean streak, that he's, you know, got the body to play as a true freshman. I mean, that's that's a recipe for success, guys. And, you know, again, you know, the young man that you're going to have on here in about 10 minutes, you know, in my opinion, is in the same boat. I mean, that, that Brandon Kennedy has everything that you look for in a high school offensive line prospect. And, and he grades out, you know, if you grade him out one through five, he gets a five in every category. Yeah, I one thing agree. I liked about Josh when I saw him play in high school, William, the one time I saw him play, and his coach told me to watch this before the game started, so I did. Josh, it, it doesn't matter what the score is, where the ball is, 
how things are going. He gets after your ass every snap. Well, you yeah, know, that's Terry, what I-, I, was talking, I was talking to somebody this afternoon that saw him play in the same thing. You know, saw him play in high school, and I never did get to see him play live like you did. But he told me that he was actually on the sideline for a game, and, you know, Josh would come off on, on the sideline and would be joking around and be in the class clown over there on the bench and cutting up and, you know, acting like a 17-, 18-year-old immature, you know, high school football player. But when he put that helmet back on and went out there onto the field, you know, that, that switch got flipped. And, you know, he went out there and played like a serial killer. And you know, I mean, he does not a, take plays off. No, no. And that, to me, um, is, is something that will go a long way. And it's like, you know, when y'all get Brandon Kennedy on here in a little bit, you know, they're, 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 they're identical prospects. And I don't know if I've ever seen – you know, two players a year apart that are going to end up going to the same school that that are that close, you know, in their measurables, you know, in the, in the comparison of the kind of players that they are. And I'm not being mean about this, but, you know, there isn't one grading criteria that, that any college coach uses in evaluating high school offensive linemen where Brandon Kennedy grades out lower in Dallas Warmack in any category. And, you know, that's that's just, you know, me being honest and, and telling the truth. Yeah, and I, that's, that's, that's great stuff, William. And we've also – we wanted to ask you about a couple other guys. And, of course, this is going to be – I know fall camp for you. You almost enjoy fall camp more than the games. You enjoy going to practice and watching them work. I know you're very enthused about this freshman class and wanting to see them, but – First, just tell the audience what you're hearing about Eddie Jackson and his rehab is the first part of the question. And the second part is now we know what's going to happen with Montel McBride. He's going to Iowa Western Juco. But give give our audience the latest on Bo Scarborough. You know, I mean, everybody that I talk to, um, you know, in relation to Bo's qualifying status, um speaks positively about it. And, you know, I wish there was a different um, format or a different process for this to happen. But, you know, the truth of the matter is I think it's going to play out just like you saw Robert Foster do last year. You know, That's what I thought. Probably, probably going to have his grades in by the end of this week. But then all of a sudden you've got to send his transcript off to the NCAA Clearinghouse um, yep. which, un- unfortunately, because there's so many late potential qualifiers that their transcripts get sent in at the beginning of August, they get overwhelmed, and, you know, this thing stretches out into the mid to the latter part of the month. You know, Alabama starts school on August 20th. If I'm not mistaken, I think the last day to drop or add or actually register for a class is the 23rd. So, you know... It- Best-case scenario, he's going to miss, you know, three-quarters of fall camp. And I think it's going to play out the same way it did with Robert Foster last year. And even as talented as Bo is and, you know, he's got the potential to, you know, come in and and factor in, you know, both running back and H-back if he qualifies, in my opinion, you know, it just may get to the point like it did with Robert Foster last year where, 
you know, you got Matt Millen coming on on an ESPN broadcast saying that, you know, Alabama's most talented young rod receivers on the scout team right now. Um, and it wasn't that Robert Foster was scout team material, but because he missed most of fall camp, they didn't have a choice. And then part two of that question, William, was what are we hearing about the uh, health of Eddie Jackson? Well, you know, I mean, Eddie's done a remarkable job at, at recovering from his torn ACL, number one. Um, you know, that, that can't be – you know, talked about enough, in my opinion. I mean, he's running full speed. He's, he's wearing a knee sleeve, not a knee brace. But, you know, there's a big difference in going out there and doing summer conditioning and doing seven-on-seven seven versus going out there and putting the pads on and, start and, ch- and starting and stopping and changing directions. Um, you know, I think that they're going to take a cautious approach with him. The medical staff is, you know, truth be told, they really don't even need him until the Florida game. Um, you know, I, I fully expect, you know, Bradley Sill to be the starting corner, one starting quarter against West Virginia, and I'll be shocked if Tony Brown isn't the other. Um, and, and I, you know, give him an extra month, you know, on top of what he's already done to, you know, get back to 100%. But certainly, you know, if, if Eddie can get back into the, the rotation sooner rather than later, um, it's going to do two things. It's going to give a um, elite cornerback in, in Tony Brown the opportunity to get his feet wet in big-time college football play, and that's just going to make the secondary position at corner that much deeper. From a personnel standpoint, um, who who all is currently suspended from football activities, quote-unquote, and who all is likely to be suspended for West Virginia, in your opinion? Well, you know, without making things official before they come official, um, I think it's safe to say that both Jaron Reed and Kenyon Drake are on that list. Um, and, and they're probably the, the only two guys that Alabama fans need to be concerned about, you know, considering both of their positions on the depth chart. Um, I'll be able to kind of, confirm that and firm that up a little bit this weekend um, when I get to talk to some of my sources. Um, you know, I really want to circle back around with those guys, you know, Sunday evening after three practices and see who's been doing what. But, you know, based on some of the chatter that I've picked up on this week, I think those are the two guys that are probably in the most imminent danger of missing the West Virginia game. And in Reed's case, it might be the first two games. Well, and I gotta I gotta ask about Dylan Lee William because he had the DUI in the spring, but usually, and when that happens, they usually end up missing a game. I know it was in the spring and not in the fall, but well, I would think, and he finished the spring second on the depth chart because of that situation because he had a really good spring overall. I would think he would be another one that might miss the West. Well, just the West Virginia game, I would think, but I, that's just yeah. my opinion. Oh no, no, and I think you're dead on, Drew. Um, you know, he was a guy like Jonathan Allen because even though Jonathan Allen's situation didn't make the media, um, you know, Allen basically spent all spring practice running with the threes uh, because of some trouble that he got into. Um, yeah. Dylan Lee is the starter at Sam Linebacker, you know, if, if the DUI wasn't there. Um, and the reason I'm saying all this is, you know, last week there was a, just a totally off-base rumor that hit the Internet where there had been a player dismissed from the team. 
And, you know, I circled around with one of my sources on the team, and, you know, he quickly shot it down and said that there had been some suspensions handed down, but, but nobody had, you know, been permanently dismissed from the team. So, you know, I'll, I'll ask that question about Dylan. Um, you know, he's one of the most popular players on the team. You know, again, I think sometimes, you know, fans make a bigger deal about this stuff than they need to. Um, you want one of your starting linebackers, actually you want all four of them, to be guys that, that live a little bit on the wild side off the field. Um, you know, those guys tend to play a little bit that same way when they get on the field. Um, but, you know, I think if Dylan Lee is able to clean up the off-the-field stuff a little bit and put it all together on the field this year, from what I saw him do um, back in the spring, you know, he's a young man that Alabama fans, unfortunately, may only get to see one year of as a starter because he's got the measurables, he's got the production. And he could be an early entry in the draft next year if he has a big season. Great. Adrian who? <laughs> would be great. Well, you know uh, another what, question. Go ahead. Go ahead, William. Well, I was just going to follow up with Drew on that, Kerry. Um, you know, that, that's something that's become a big topic of conversation about these kids, you know, coming out and, and, and going pro maybe before they, they should. And, uh, you know, this actually came up today on Alabama Intel. And, you know, I tried to answer it this way. Um, you know, and I used Vinny Sinceri as an example. You know, a lot of people thought that the Vinny Sinceri was bent in the head coming out this year. And, and truth be told, Vinny Sinceri wouldn't have received a higher grade in the draft or gotten drafted any earlier than he did this year if he'd have come back for his senior year. So he comes out more than likely from everything that I've heard. He's going to make the Saints roster. Um, you know, got him a six-figure signing bonus. If he makes the roster, he's going to make five hundred and fifty grand this year. Um, wow. Good luck trying to find that kind of job <laughs> your first year out of college in the real world. Unless you're willing to distribute and traffic cocaine, you ain't going to find that kind of money. <laughs> true. That is true. And uh, just I don't, I don't expect you to comment back on this, William, but I think and, – and certainly they can't suspend three-fifths of the running back core – but I think all T. Tenpenny is still under some type of discipline, and I think Tyron Jones could be under some too. But obviously they're not going to just take two running backs to Atlanta. But the next question coming into chat is this, uh, from the chat room. I'd like to know uh, what, if anything, that you've heard uh, from the beginning of seven-on-seven seven drills up to now uh, about the development of Marlon Humphrey, who did not go through spring. You know, the, the biggest thing that I've heard about Marlon is that you know, he's probably, and I'm not saying he's not going to play. I, I think he's certainly going to be a guy that is going to get a look at, at special teams. Um, you know, he's a guy that can probably play a little bit of corner, maybe even a little bit of nickel. Um, but when you look at him and his classmate, Tony Brown, Kerry, this is a really good analogy. You know, Tony Brown's 6'1", 205. You know, Marlon's 6'1", 170. Um, you know, that's a huge difference in, in the physicality of, of playing that position. And, you know, Marlon hasn't done badly this summer. I haven't gotten any bad reports about him. But the one thing that stuck out over and over again is that, you know, maybe he was a little bit overrated coming out of high school, you know, maybe because of the track aspect. He's not a true polished boundary corner. 
And, you know, he might need a year to, you know, gain 20 pounds to, you know, catch up with the physical needs of being an SEC quarterback. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, it, it, it's become so crazy with, and I'm as guilty of it as anybody, of, of, you know, expecting these kids to come in. And, you know, and there's several kids that are coming in, you know, Deshaun Hand, Rashawn Evans, Josh Frazier. Uh, we've talked about Josh Casher that are physically and mentally ready to play SEC football right out of the gate, but it just doesn't always hold true across the board for everybody. But that's not to say that Marlon Humphrey's going to get redshirted. He could be a guy that, you know, factors in on all the special teams and, you know, gets some mop-up duty, um, you know, at the cornerback. Well, that's great stuff, William, and I agree. I think Marlon will play more as the season goes on, but I think he's a he's a guy that, you know, does need to uh, – uh, you know, develop more physically. I think the track aspect for him is always big for him, but I think it set him back physically, and he will be get better as the season goes on. And we got ultimately, William, we got another question from Chad, and this is toward the end of our uh, segment with you. But everybody's going to be asking about this. It's probably your least favorite question because <laughs> they're not they're they're probably the least uh, the least liked by all the football team. As far as position goes, because the old saying is they're not really a, 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 a real football player. But what about the kickers and the punters? Well, you know, there, there's a young man that I really thought was going to have an opportunity to push for the start and punting job this fall that's already left the program, the walk-on kicker, uh, I mean, a punter, Bory from Hoover High School. Right. Um, he, he's already left the program. Um, you know, I still think that, you know, with the right coaching, um, you know, getting a little bit more experience and a little bit more comfortable. You know, Adam Griffin has all the things that you look for in a kicker. I mean, he's got the leg. I just think that, you know, maybe in the spring, you know, the situation of being thrust into the spotlight maybe overwhelmed him a little bit. It happens to everybody. It happened to me. Um, you know, let's let's just be a little bit more patient with that young man. You know, I thought the coaching staff, you know, interjected him into a horrible situation last year in the Auburn game. Um, so, you know, he, he's got everything that you look for in a kicker, and I think that, that could possibly, you know, work itself out into a positive situation. We won't know, um, you know, just for the listeners' information, I was able to confirm earlier today that Alabama is actually going to hold their first scale, full-scale scrimmage a week from Saturday on August the 9th. Um, then they come back, you know, August the 16th, obviously, is the Red Elephant Club scrimmage. And, mm-hmm. and it's still it's still to be determined as to whether or not Coach Saban is going to have a third scrimmage on the, what is that, 7, 6, the 23rd of August. Yeah, um, that could be a walkthrough, I guess, maybe. Yeah, well, I think he always holds that aside to – you know, determine the health of the team, how dead-legged are they, you know, does he need to give them some time to recover before the first game. But, you know, we're, you know, a week from Saturday, we're talking about the first scrimmage, and I think that's when we'll have a little bit better idea and a little bit better glimpse of, you know, who the the guys are going to be on on special teams, specifically the kicker and the punter positions. Yeah, absolutely. Well, William, we uh, thank you so much for joining us again this week on Bama's Radio. We'd like to have you uh, 
continue to come on at least about once a month if you have the time. And uh, is there anything else that maybe we didn't cover that, that stands out in your mind that you'd like to tell us before we let you go? I know you're anxious to see a lot of these newcomers, especially defensively, uh, how they're going to impact the depth chart, William. Well, and, and, you know, a lot of Alabama fans that are out there listening are probably going to think I'm insane for saying this, but don't call me crazy. Call the coaches crazy because that's where it's coming from. But the, the coaching staff feels like this 2014 class is the most talented incoming freshman class that they've ever seen, and that's including the 2008 class. You know, guys like Rashawn Evans, I mean, you're talking about a, a, a guy that was measured at 6'4", 225, bench-pressed his body weight 25 times and ran a 4.540. You know, you're talking about Deshaun Hand, who's now pushing 280 pounds. Um, you know, Josh Frazier, I think, you know, he's a guy that has the opportunity to, to work himself into that, that two-deep rotation at defensive tackle and nose guard. Um, you know, we still don't know, you know, what we're going to see from a guy like Ronnie Clark and Keith Holcomb. You know, I think a guy that really shocked me in, in being SEC ready to play from what I saw out, you know, saw out of him in the spring, and, you know, Sean Dion Hamilton. Um, mm-hmm. You can just keep going on and on with these newcomers. And, and yes, to answer your question, you know, before, I do enjoy the, uh, the August practices more than spring practice and the games in the fall because it gives you – not only a glimpse and a snapshot of what you can expect to see in the fall, but it gives you a, a glimpse and a snapshot of what you can see in the future. Um, you know, the one question that I was prepared to answer that I didn't get was, you know, about the quarterback situation. And, right. you know, to, to me, I think the fact that, you know, Jacob Coker has shown the potential that he's shown this summer in seven-on-seven, um, is, is nothing but a bonus for, for the team this, this fall and going into the season. You know, I think the fact that, that Cooper Bateman caught fire spring and showed that he, if he can make the same kind of improvement over the summer months that he made in 30 days in spring practice, you know, he might have a say-so in the race. And obviously the, you know, kind of the incumbent guy, you know, the, the, the guy that I think a lot of the, the fans and certainly his teammates are pulling for in that race is Blake Sims. And, and, you know, guys, at the end of the day, no matter who the starter ends up being for West Virginia, anytime you've got three guys that can compete for a spot and make it a legitimate competition, especially at a, a position that's so important for a team like quarterback, that, that's only going to make the team that much better and, you know, especially in, in the situation of Coker and Bateman, you know, Sims has gone after this year. You know, that, that's, that's some, some bright topics for the future, especially when we don't even know yet what, what David Cornwell is capable of doing going forward after this year. So, you know, I think there's just a lot of positive vibes and, and, and you know, the, the team chemistry um, is the best that I've seen it in many years. Um, and I'm really excited about, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not going to go down there and participate in the running of the Gups on Sunday, but I'll be there with, <laughs> I'll be there with bells on next Saturday for the first scrimmage. I'm sure you will. We look forward to your observations, man. We really do, as always. Well, William, we do appreciate you joining us. Uh, we are coming up against a break. It's uh, seven minutes after the hour. 
And uh, we're going to go ahead and start efforting to bring Brandon Kennedy on. But as always, William, uh, we really appreciate your time here on BAMS. Hey, thank you guys. And I, and I can assure you all the listeners are fixing to listen to a uh, young man that uh, can go as far as he wants to in, in, in the football business. And Brandon Kennedy, I can't say enough good things about him. Yeah, thank you, William. Again, great stuff. And thank you for coming on, man. Thank you, guys. Talk to you soon. All right, yep. William. Take care. That's William Redfish Barber. Barger of uh, AlabamaIntel.com, a, a regular now on Bama's radio and a guy who brings it every time. And uh, I really appreciate Drew for getting him. I tell you what, the rotation of uh, recruiting analysts and team analysts that we have calling this show right now between William Barger, John Garcia, Rodney Orr, and even occasionally a guy like Jimmy Stein, I, I tell you, Drew, I wouldn't trade this group we got right now for anybody. I wouldn't either. Very knowledgeable. You always uh, – Get the the truth. It's not sugar-coated. That's the best part. You know, we hope to continue to grow our audience with BAMS Radio. And, you know, it's it's the best, you know, podcast I've ever been a part of. And I always look forward to it every week. We've been able to add the recruiting aspect and get these commitments on our show, which is always a thrill for us, to hear from someone like Ronnie Harrison, Jr., and get it straight from the horse's mouth what happened with Florida State, like you did with that great question. And then to have on Brandon Kennedy here in about five minutes, who is an elite player and a well-spoken young man and who's about as focused academically as Ronnie Harrison, who already has his, as we'll see, he already has his plan laid out. So it's just, it's a, it's great to be on bounds right now. And we're, and we cover the gamut. We cover basketball, we cover baseball. We're very fortunate to have Paige Hawkman who does a great job for us and, and keeping us up to date on how the baseball program is doing. And by the way, her son has really picked it up and really had a great summer at the Cape, and so has Kyle Overstreet. And, and Mikey White started in the All-Star game there. It's got to be a thrill for him, which I guess for you Alabama fans, it's going to be a little bit different this uh, coming spring. They're going to be at Hoover, but if you want to see Mikey White in an Alabama uniform, you better be at the, at the Hoover Met because that's going to be where you're going to see him for the last time probably. There's no doubt about that. And that's a great point. We do try to cover all the sports here. And I think we'll touch on some of the other sports in the last 30 minutes uh, uh, or 25 minutes tonight when it's just Drew and me and Thomas and the callers. But for now, we're going to take a break. Uh, it is nine minutes after the hour. We're going to drop off for just a couple minutes and uh, and uh, have some sponsors represented and some uh, more corny music and all that. And then we'll be back to talk to Brandon Kennedy of Wetumpka High School. But for now, you're listening to BAMS Radio on Blog Talk Radio. So, what makes BAM's tailgate so darn special? Sunbelt Inflatable Tents can supply you with custom-designed tents for your tailgate needs. Corporations, businesses, or just the most hardcore fans are the customers of Sunbelt Inflatable Tents. Reach them at their website, www.sunbeltinflatabletents.com, and ask for Billy. Or call 251-247-1169 to order.
13 minutes after the hour, no matter what hour it is in your time zone, where we are, it's 9.13, but we realize we've got listeners all over the place due to the wonders of the Internet. You're listening to BAM's Radio on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Kerry Clark uh, from BamaMag.com, one of your co-hosts, along with Drew Dermon of AlabamaIntel.com, who has yet to learn how to mute his mic when he's doing the mouth breathing. And uh, we have back in the studio Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine, our producer. And uh, we are about to be joined in just a couple of minutes by Brandon Kennedy. But in the interim before that, Drew, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts, if you saw it, uh, on the article uh, on AL.com and in the various uh, Huntsville-Birmingham Mobile papers today. Did you catch the uh, article, Drew, about the number of high school coaches in our state making over hundred grand? I did not. I did not see that article. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I usually per, 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 peruse AL.com and read the articles, but I had not today. What was said? Well, it's interesting. Uh, well, the, the number one guy in the state has never coached a game as a head coach in right. this state before. He Trustville. is Hewitt Trustful. Uh, he's going to be making $120,000 this year. His name is Josh Floyd. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's got, he's got some company. Uh, Sean Rainey, a second-year guy at Spain Park uh, here in Hoover, where I live, 
making 107.7. Uh, Josh Niblett, who has, uh, who has won three state championships and finished second several other times, he's making 103.8, although that's not full disclosure because Josh, and they admit this later on, Josh gets another fifteen grand if he needs it for his camp. So you could say he's making one eighteen and number two to be really accurate. Buddy right. Anderson, the venerable coach at Vestavia, uh, three hundred eight career wins, uh, just a couple away, two away from Alabama's all time record. Uh, three hundred, uh, one hundred and two k for Buddy. And then they dropped a hint, although they didn't specifically come out and say it, that Chris Yeager at Mountain Brook was making right around one hundred. So. Uh, oh, yeah. Now, some of this revenue is not just what they're paid to teach or just what they're paid to coach. Some of it comes from booster clubs and supplements and all. But I tell you what, those gentlemen right there are in high cotton, Drew. Yeah, no doubt. And at one time, I believe Glenn Vickery was making over 100 at Daphne, and it's well-deserved. He's a great football coach. Uh, you know, and, it went, I, and I know he went back to North Jackson, Martin, Mark Rose, but when he was at Smith Station, I, was, I had heard he was making at or around the 100K level. So, I mean, they, there's a several highly paid coaches in the state. Uh, you know, uh, Josh Nibble's earned every penny he's getting. Um, you know, Coach Yeager's a great, done a great job at Mountain Brook, building on what Joey Jones handed him. And, you know, he's, he's done a, he's, he's a, he's a, he's a really good offensive line coach, really uh, has a very, very fundamentally solid program. And Buddy Anderson, that speaks for itself, class act going to set the record. That's going to be a great thing. And, you know, Rainey was a defensive coordinator under Niblett at Hoover before going to Spain Park. So, And now they'll, they'll be playing each other this year, being the same region, and never understood why they were in, not in the same region and not playing one another. So that, that Spain Park and Hoover deal will get rolling again this year. Yeah, and they announced today that it's going to be televised, and they're going to bump it up a day to Thursday. So Uh-oh. I'll actually get to spend a Friday night with my wife that week because I am covering <laughs> that game. Uh, I'm covering it because I'm curious about what's going on with uh, Spain Park defensive back Michael Jackson, number one, and number two, guys like P.J. Hall and Jeremiah Moon on Hoover. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might go over my schedule in the last half hour, Drew, but right now we've got our uh, third and final guest of the night on hold, and I'm going to let you introduce him, Drew. Absolutely. You know, we first of all, we thank him. We had the technical difficulties last week. We're going to have him on. Got a hold of him afterwards. Uh, did an interview with him, and also interviewed his coach Tim Perry. But we're honored to be joined by, in my opinion, the best center in the country, uh, who's really just much like Ronnie Harrison. He's rocketed up the recruiting board since this past February. But uh, we we are honored to have Brandon Kennedy of Wetumpka High School join us. Brandon, welcome to Bams Radio tonight. Yeah, thank you for having me on tonight. No problem. We're honored to be joined by you. And I guess what, much like we do with a lot of our uh, guests though, as far as recruits, just kind of introduce yourself and tell the, our listening audience, give them your height and weight, and just kind of tell them about yourself as a football player for the Wetumpka Indians. Well, my name is Brandon Kennedy. I play for Wetumpka High School in Wetumpka, Alabama. I'm um, um, 6'2", 300 pounds, and I play center, of course, and I had to say, me, as a player, I'm very physical, and I'm a smart player. That's what I have to say. Yeah, and and, and just kind of let everybody know, because I know I I watched your press conference when you committed to the University of Alabama, and and you you gave some excellent insight into your recruiting process about how far you've come in the last six six months to a year. But just kind of tell everybody, you know, how your your recruitment unfolded for you ending up to be able to commit to your childhood favorite in the Alabama Crimson Tide. 
Well, about eight or nine months ago, I only yielded one offer from um, Southern Miss, and then my next one was Jacksonville State. But uh, for a while, I really didn't get that much attention, but uh, the rivals camp came around, I think it was back in um, April, I think it was, and I did real good at that camp. I had been practicing, working hard to, to do good at that camp. And then when I did good at that camp, from there on, my recruitment just shot up, and then I got about, I think it was about, I'd say about 18 offers then or so after that camp. And then after that, I went to Alabama's uh, O-line, D-line camp, and I got that offer. And then Auburn came also on the same day. Brandon, yeah. one, this is uh, Kerry Clark. I'm with uh, Scout.com and BamaMag.com. I know you know my coworker, John Garcia, uh, and we, we do want to welcome you to the Alabama family. One thing that came out uh, during your recruitment was the fact that you carry such a high GPA, taking advanced classes and that kind of thing. Tell us a little bit about your academic situation and, and uh, how seriously you take it. Well, academics, they always came easy to me. I just I just work hard, and then everything comes easy. So, I mean, um, it's, just, it's just easy to me. It's just like natural. I never really had to work hard to get a good grade, so it's, it's pretty easy to me. And what do you plan on majoring on in Tuscaloosa? Um, health sciences, and then after college, I want to go to radiology school. Yeah, that's big time right there. So you basically already have your your uh, future planned out. And you know, talking to you know your head coach Tim Perry, he spoke very highly of you and your work ethic. And you know, he's coached a long time in the state of Arkansas, but he he get, he gave me a couple of big time names: DJ Williams and Joe Adams, who were great players for the Razorbacks. But he said you're cut from the same cloth and. Just kind of talk about your work ethic, and you seem to really even amp it up even more when to try to get noticed by recruiters. But kind of talk about uh, what you did to get to kind of get yourself noticed and get better as a player, and what you put yourself through just individually to uh, improve as a football player. Well, I just work when no one else does. That's the main thing. I just got my family to help me. They help me, you know, um, just train as far as offensive lines are real. They held the bags for me, you know, uh, caught my snap and things like that. And then I got my also my teammates um, this summer and during the offseason. They just pushed me and just got me better. And me going against them and uh, us competing in the weight room, it just made me better. Yeah, and and just kind of talk about how you, you as far as why you what your decision to choose Alabama. You you basically got it down. You had some very good offers. You said about eighteen offers, but it basically came down to an in-state battle with Alabama and Auburn both coming after you hard. And just what uh, what ultimately swayed you to to choose Alabama as far as uh, and, and to further your career on the gridiron. Well, I have to say it's the atmosphere how I felt at Bama. I visited Bama a couple times during the season last year and also um this uh, before right before the summer. So uh, so I felt like I felt as if I loved the atmosphere and the, the players treated me well and I and the coaches treated me well, so I just feel like I was fitting in that program. Yeah, and and also just Kind of talk about a big thing for you is going to be your relationship with the coaching staff and why you decided to choose. Obviously, you did very well at the OLDL camp. Then you decided to uh, come back and visit uh, one last time during their July camp. But talk about your relationship with your lead recruiter, Kirby Smart, and then also with Mario Cristobal, your future position coach. 
Oh, it was Kirby Smart. I've known him for a long time. He's been recruiting me, uh, I think, since it was the uh, end of 10th grade or something like that. But we've been talking, and I've always been talking to him about anything. And um, he's a great guy. He's a great coach. And then Mario Cristobal, he's a great uh, coach, very, very intense. And I like the way he coaches. I think he can push me and get the best out of me. And he's also a great person. Brandon, uh, a couple of years ago, I'm not even sure you were on varsity yet. You might have been. But uh, the head coach at Wetumpka, uh, Chad, he decided to head over to Prattville. Uh, is there still some hard feelings about that in Wetumpka? Uh, yeah, sometimes. When we used to play him after he left, we that we would always talk about that right before the game, about how he left us. But I, I don't have any hard feelings for him. I still like him as a coach. Tell us a little bit about your relationship with Coach Perry. Uh, we have a great relationship. Uh, he helped me a lot through this recruiting process. He also pushed me, um, you know, real hard in the weight room, out there on the field and in practice. So I have a great relationship with Coach Perry. And what do you, and now what do I know? You, your recruitment has come to an end. You are going to enroll early, correct? Yes, sir. All right. Well, what is what it what it now that you've ta- you, you've been able to take the next step as a recruit and ultimately reach your goal of committing to Alabama? What is what is, what is your? I know you guys are about to start fall camp. What are you working on to get better as a player? What do you what do you think you need to improve on? Well, I've just been improving on my pass game. We, I've worked real hard on my um, run game. So the next thing I'm working on my pass game. So I'm gonna try to improve in that um, over the season so I can get that down pat. I just want to make sure my snap um, is accurate and don't have any bad snaps. And obviously, you guys are are, are in six A, I believe. So, how how are you feeling? I mean, it's it's going to be a little bit different this year now that they have seven A. So, you, your expectations have got to still be high. But what what are your what what is your for your football team? What are y'all's expectations going into the fall? Our expectations is we we want to go and get that blue trophy. We all been working hard. Um, this summer and off season, and it's, it's it's all on our minds. The blue trophy. Every time we're in the weight room, we're always remind reminding ourselves about how far we want to get and just make it to the playoffs and have a great season. Brandon, uh, one thing I like to ask uh, offensive linemen, I know that the big thing for y'all is uh, what they call a pancake block. Uh, can you think of any, any time in the last couple of years that you really put it on somebody, and who was it against, and what do you remember about it? Well, I have to say my best game as far as pancakes had to be uh, when we played Pelham. I, think, I, I forgot how many game, uh, pancakes I had that game, but that's the game I had the most pancakes. And uh, I also won the uh, Pancake Block Award for my team because I had the most pancakes on the offensive line. Yeah, and and as a player, you've you've this will be you're moving to center actually this season on the high school level, correct? And before that, did you play both guard and tackle? Have you played pretty much every position on the offensive line? Yes, I've played I've played pretty much every position. Yes, and now I'm just learning center, so played almost all the positions on the line. Brandon, as far as the uh, class that's, that's being – you were number 19. There's now 20 committed. We had Ronnie on last hour. Uh, are there any other players in the class that you've already gotten to be pretty close friends with? Uh, yes, we were actually – we actually have a uh, group message going with all the commits, and we're all just talking, and we're just getting to know each other and just seeing how uh, how it was at. 
and now with with you, where you are in the recruiting process, are you uh, are, are are you planning any more trips to Tuscaloosa? You know, before your season, or and if and in the fall, have you decided what games you're going to attend? And obviously, since you're going to enroll early, about your have you are you going to do what a lot of guys are doing? Or will your official visit be for the Iron Bowl, or have you made up your mind yet? Yes, I want my official to be the Iron Bowl, and I just want to try to make as many home games as possible. Um, so whenever they have a home game, I'll try my best to make it up there. And then as far as trips to Tuscaloosa, I, I think I want to go this Saturday and probably watch a uh, fall camp practice. I think that would be pretty good to make it up there this Saturday. Brandon, do you uh, do you play any other sports at Watonka? Um, Last year I played basketball, and the year before that I played basketball and track, but I'm just going to do football this year. Excellent. Well, Brandon, we really appreciate you coming on BAMS tonight. Uh, we, I wish we, we got pushed back a little bit, and we really appreciate you also from understanding from last week we had a little bit of a technical difficulty. We know it's been a busy time for you, especially with your senior season about to start and you making your decision late in the summer. But we, we uh, congratulate you for choosing Alabama. We welcome you to the Tide Nation, and we thank you for being on BAMS tonight, uh, Brandon. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. That's no problem. Roll Tide. Roll Go Tide. Go <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in Montgomery, so I was always making friends with my, <laughs> making jokes with my friends about from the gump to the tump. So <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it is. <laughs> it's oh. great having you, Brandon. Roll Tide, buddy. Gone. Well, anyway, that was Brandon Kennedy of uh, Wetumpka High School, the Indians, placed with Coach Perry. Uh, I was mentioning Coach Chad Anderson earlier because uh, – Hand mouth beating. He uh, he uh, was he left a lot of hard feelings when he went from uh, from Wetumpka back to Prattville, where he'd been an offensive coordinator uh, right. about three years ago. And and really, quite frankly, as someone who's followed Prattville fairly close the last ten or fifteen years, uh, it's one of my favorite places to cover game. Quite frankly, they have uh, underachieved since Coach Dubose left. Uh, yeah, and Coach Anderson has really uh, changed a lot of things. When Coach Dubose took over for Bill Clark, he uh, did things much the same way Bill did as far as off season and you know offense defense that kind of thing. But, but Coach Anderson made a few changes in, in the in the uh, routine, and uh, it, it has kind of shown on the field. They have not been a serious contender yet. Uh, this will be, I believe, year three for Coach Anderson, and uh, I know the people in practice were a little restless about that, uh, and hopefully they'll be able to pick it up. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing them play against Carver this fall. Uh, and uh, that's, that's one of the games I'll be covering for my Friday Night Lights schedule. Uh, but, Drew, getting back to Alabama and the various topics we discussed tonight, uh, we, we covered a ton of recruiting stuff, obviously. Mm-hmm. But uh, there are still at least, I'm going to say, seven spots left in this class, uh, at least six, okay? Six or seven. Uh, if you were to make a, a – we would put Garcia on the spot like this. <laughs> if you were to make a, a just a gentleman's guess – well, how, how do you see it filling out these next six or seven takes? Well, you know, obviously I think Drew Richmond is very important. I think he has a spot. Uh, Kendall Sheffield from Missouri City, Texas, uh, cornerback, elite corner, track guy. My best friend is Tony Brown. Uh, I think he would have a spot in the class carry. They would like to get an elite running back like Jock Westpatrick. That's liable to be a tough deal with the Seminoles. I think Damian Harris from Berea, Kentucky, will probably end up being a Ohio State Buckeye and never win anything. But, you know, 
but yeah, I probably I would say uh, Jock West Patrick would have a spot if he chose Alabama, but the Seminole situation, that's going to make it very hard. Uh, I'm hoping that they continue to turn up the heat on Christian Kirk, and uh, who's, who I think could be the slot receiver in the class still. I know they want a slot. They're still looking at guys. It looks like Lawrence Cager from the Maryland area will probably go to Ohio State. Alabama did verbally offer him, but I really like Kirk. I hope they turn it up. He's very, very close, as we've said on this show, with Blake Barnett. And uh, Blake is a guy that is going to continue to recruit him. And, uh, you know, he's visited – Kirk has visited Alabama once. I'm hoping they can get him back on campus. I think he's an explosive athlete. Uh, and, and obviously, they're on pain. Uh, there's been some consternation. I was on a show yesterday in Huntsville. Uh, they had ero- erroneously read the, re- the headline on AL.com and thought he committed to Mississippi State. And as I told them, if, unless something's happened in the last 30 minutes, that hasn't happened Mississippi State's made a move in his recruitment. They're going to be in his top four with Alabama, Auburn, and Texas. But I ultimately think Deron Payne will end up in Tuscaloosa. Uh, you know, Keith Mixon wanted to be at the slot in the class, but he's ended up at Mississippi State at this as of this time. So, But I think, that, you know, those guys that on that list, those are going to be some of them you look at. Hopefully Adonis Thomas come Friday will be one of the linebackers in the class. And then August 22nd, Kerry, you've got to watch for Joshua McMillan to see if Alabama takes him. I think they could easily get him right now, but they're going to have to see how they're doing as far as if they get Adonis Thomas and then how the rest of their linebacking recruiting is going, if they still think there's a shot with Leo Lewis. Because ultimately, I think Joshua McMillan from Memphis to Tennessee's Whitehaven High School, uh, the alma mater of one Curtis Alexander, will end up either at Alabama or Ole Miss. Right, and I, and I saw that headline about Mixon, and I understand State taking him. I understand Alabama waiting on him. We, we were both kind of hoping Alabama would take a shot at him. Right. But but it, it, the, the general consensus seems to be that when it's all said and done and the ink is dry, Alabama still gets to Ron Payne. Yeah, I, I, I don't think any question. I think he's the guy that, you know, I even have had, you know, excellent sources tell me uh, that, uh, that, you know, that, that that's what part of the reason that D.J. Jones ended up being a Seminole. Uh, Daron Payne is the number one guy, number one guy in state with Lester Cotton and the number one defensive line priority. And so I think, you know, from where the board stands now, if Alabama can hold on to Jonathan Ledbetter, and we know what's happened this week with that, Gary. Yeah, why don't you uh, go over that for the people that, that may, right. not have, may not have missed the, the Ledbetter that did commit to Georgia. Yeah, his older brother – uh, Joseph is is going to Georgia. He's been at Pfeiffer College, I think, a small college basketball school. Has not played football since uh, you know his early high school days, I believe. He Georgia has signed him as more than likely a developmental tight end. Alabama knew about the young man, had offered him a preferred walk-on slot, but of course Georgia offered him a full ride. And so there's a lot of people thinking that could ultimately sway Ledbetter to Georgia. We will see. That's been the talk, you know. Throughout the summer, and he stayed committed to Alabama. We have, uh, and the first thing that popped into my head, Kerry, and I know these two brothers did not play at the same time, but there has been brothers play at different spots. And the first names that popped into my head were the Rogers brothers, Lamar and Michael. We all know where one went and where the other went. So it's not a guarantee that uh, both of them end up at the same place, especially with the Eliza Shaw and Ledbetter, you know, brotherhood almost like a relationship 
but we will see, you know, if that ultimately happens. But again, I, at least Ledbetter right now can say Jonathan, that is, that he helped his brother get a four to Georgia as a football player. He did, and I really hope that Jonathan, if he's, I hope he doesn't flip. But if he does, I hope it's before I drive over and watch Lakeside play Tucker the seventh of November. Uh, that being said, uh, we, we are uh, not uh, we are not forgetting the fact that we take calls on this show. The number for you to call in, Marty or anybody else, is seven one four five one zero three seven zero seven. I saw a nice tweet where one of the ladies that comes to the tailgate said they thought that they ought to start calling in and talking a little football, and it was some people that really hadn't called before. So that would be great or at least the time I've been on the show. So, again, 714-510-3707. Uh, that's the direct line, and uh, our producer, Thomas Watts, will get you on hold and let us know who you are, and, and we'll talk to you. Drew, the uh, the folks out in Vegas, uh, Bovada, to be specific, the sports book has, uh, has put out its ad. It's an annual uh, odds on who's going to win the SEC. They have Alabama at 7-5. to five. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have Auburn and South Carolina at five to one, and Georgia at six to one, and then you have a little bit of a drop. LSU thirteen to two, Florida twelve to one, Ole Miss fourteen to one, and nobody else is really being taken serious by this particular sports book. Uh, so if you go by, if they're accurate, the SEC championship game would be Alabama and South Carolina, and if they're accurate, Alabama would beat Auburn. Uh, those those two things are, are, are damn fine with me. Uh, I'm quite tired of Steve Spurrier running his mouth about our program and our recruiting and Nick Saban and us possibly underachieving. Uh, so He's the king well, of that. Well, he is, but... <laughs> I mean, he, he's been a great coach, but let's be honest. Has he ever gone undefeated? No, and he has one national championship. And he one. has one national championship where he got very fortunate. Our and guy so, has... Yeah, he got a second chance at the school. He didn't even deserve a second chance at. So, anyway... Uh, but anyway, he, he did, and he beat him, and that's fine. He, he got one national championship. Uh, our coach has three at our school and one at another, a total of four. He has one at one school and zero at the school he's at now. And uh, it's like his biggest accomplishment is he's won 11 games three years in a row but has not won the SEC. Pretty much the highlight has been the times he beat Georgia and, and the times Clemson. he beat Clemson. Yeah. And, you know, I really – I hope that's who we play. Uh, I'd like to see that as well. I, I do think Florida's a dark horse, depending on what Roper can do offensively. But, you know, for uh, Alabama's recruiting class sake, for guys like C.C. Jefferson, another another name to bring up, and Byron Cowart, you'd kind of like to see the Gators underachieve because those guys could end up leaving the state. Though, you'd kind of like to see them do halfway decent so Martez Ivy ends up a Gator and not an Auburn Tiger. But I mean that's another yeah. story for another day. Let's let but, it go uh, about nine and four. That'd be fine. Yeah, hey, exactly. Drew, we do have we do have our uh, our most uh, loyal caller on hold now. Gadsden's uh, finest. Yes, Etowah County's uh, main man, Marty. What is going on? Welcome back to Bams. We've missed you. Hey, great show. You know, I almost went in withdrawals last week when we couldn't get on the air last week. You know, well, I, I miss all this Alabama. Either, <laughs> I miss all this Alabama. Intel information, man, it's, it's great, you know. And uh, but you know, I got a question for y'all. You know, I've been following Alabama football. I guess if I can really, for seriously, for probably thirty, probably thirty-two years. But have you ever, ever seen this much talent on one team since you've been following Alabama football? 
Well, Marty, if 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 the if the freshman class is as good as William Barger and I think it is, and you know, and it's better than the '08 class, but they're going to have to prove that on the field. But if it is, then yes, I don't think there's any doubt. And then with the class they're putting together now, because I'm telling everybody, um, the the two kids we had on the show tonight, you could argue may end up being the best players in their class at their positions. And that's Ronnie Harrison, who, after watching film, and, I, you know, I'm not a coach, but after watching the highlights I've seen, they are highlights, but watching his skill set and his true size, he could end up being the best safety in America. You know, Brandon Kennedy, we just heard him. We really appreciate him coming on. Uh, he could be the best center in the country. Obviously, I think everybody saw this week Blake Barnett skyrocketed up into the top 20 overall uh, in the ESPN, already a five-star with Scout. Should If he's not a five-star with 24-7 and rivals, it's a joke. So I just think he could end up being the top player at his position. And so I just think right now, Marty, with the talent they brought in last year and they're, they're stacking on top of it, if they could, you know, hopefully with a lot of the commits coming down and spending time with Drew Richmond this weekend with fall camp starting and with Drew Richmond seeing practice and seeing the true depth on the football team, then I just think the sky's the limit in the next few years, you know, barring injury for Alabama football. It's been fun already, but it could get even more fun. Well, Marty, I'm going to give you my, my take on it. Uh, recruiting has changed. The rules have changed. Uh, when I was a student at Alabama, there were teams, uh, especially my first three years in school, there was, there was, we were fielding teams, and my first three years were 77, 78, and 79. Those teams had more talent than anybody in the country. Uh, the 77 team got jobbed in the final poll. The 78 team split a national championship. But that 79 team that went undefeated, uh, and won the national championship consensus, it, it had as much talent as I've ever seen. The jury's kind of still out on this year's team because, quite frankly, Marty, there is some question marks about this team. There's oh, yeah. question marks at cornerback. There's question marks at guard. Uh, there's que- there's uh, quarterback. Quarter- well, quarterback, I think, has been answered, but it won't be official until they start right. playing games. Uh, but But there's an unproven quarterback. But I look back at that 79 team, which would have been Stedman Sheely's senior year and some of the talent that team had. That's the best one I've seen, Marty. And I'm including 92 in there. And I'm, in, I'm including uh, the undefeated 09 team. 79 is it for me. But this year's team, if they can get the questions answered at quarterback, guard, uh, corner, and kicker. Yeah, it's both kicker, I, I, yeah, uh, kicker and punter. Well, I think punter's fine with J.K. Scott he, until he proves otherwise. But there's – if those questions are answered, I will admit that this team's got a ton of talent. But you have a true freshman at left tackle. You have yes. a true freshman probably at one of the corners. More than you likely, have yes. a kicker that's untested and has had a bunch of bad practices and scrimmages. You have a true freshman at punter. Uh, and you have a quarterback that's never started a game. So maybe pure talent, but as far as experience, when you factor that in, I, I've – I know I'm going back a ways, but I still got to go with 79, Marty, and I know you remember that team. Uh, I do, I, I, and, and I probably agree with you, Kerry. You know, but, but you know, O.J. Howard gets all this praise, and, and, and don't get me wrong, I think he's a great talent, and I think he's going to be a great asset for Alabama. But I think people's forgetting about Brian Voger. 
You know, Brian Vogler is six, uh, six seven and two hundred sixty three pounds, and O.J. Howard is just six six two forty. I mean, I think Brian could have a breakout year this year. Everybody's talking about O.J. Howard, but I, I think people's forgetting about this guy. You know, I, having two tight ends like that with, with the offense that Kippen runs. I mean, this could be a special year. Well, it could be, Marty, but. He, what, what Vogler's going to have to do is not really so much the pass catching. I think he can do a decent job, but he's got to get more physical at the point of attack and do a better job of sealing the edge. They really missed, you know, Michael Williams last year, uh, you know, sealing the edge in 2011 and 2012. And, you know, they, they, they didn't have him on the edge, you know, sealing the running game and basically being another offensive tackle, which is what he's turned into with the Detroit Lions. But he was a very, very good tight end. And, they need to get back to that. They need to get back to being able to run the football outside the tackles, and, and he's going to be a key. And then don't forget, now we've had some good intel from the 7-on-7, from the seven seven, but Ty Flournoy-Smith is coming in, and he's going to play some H as well, maybe a little fullback, and he's also done a good job catching the football, and he will help O.J. and Vogler and kind of push them. And I think there will be a – uh, make them a better football team. And, and I really think another person, and I have a man crush on this dude, but I, I just really think J- Jalston Fowler could be a lot better this year. He'll be a lot more comfortable from his knee injury. He's going to be used a lot at the fullback spot, and I think Jalston could be a crucial piece offensively as well. Oh, I agree 100%. And one thing that, that's pretty scary, if you was a, a opponent of Alabama, thinking about that you got to line up your defense to get – Andrew uh, White and Amari Cooper, probably right. the two best wide receivers in the country this year. That's going to be on each side. I mean, you know that that's a that's a mismatch right there, all across the country, regardless who you play. Oh, it's going to be tough. No, no cornerback uh, is looking forward to that. I mean, some of them will say they are, but uh, and when you have a guy like. Cover- I don't know, Marty. Have you seen the video that one of the players posted that shows Coker throwing to Cooper? Yes, I have. Yeah, and it's a hell of a catch that Amari makes, but it still gives you an idea of the arm that that Coker has. And uh, it's nothing against Blake Sims. I just think that Jacob Coker is a future NFL quarterback. Blake Sims is more of a situational guy, a team leader, a great a great kid, a wonderful person. Glad to have him. And I hope and, and I feel they will find some kind of role for Blake. But I have I, I have really gigantic expectations for Jacob Coker. Well, I tell you what, I do too, and I think I have expectations for this team that's going to be unbelievable. This, and I hope they they match that expectation. But you know, David Cornwell is six five and a little bit heavier than and Coker is. People put so much emphasis on Coker. You know, and I and I agree. He's probably going to come in with a little bit more experience than than Cornwell does. But Cornwell probably is the one of the uh, quarterbacks going in the future because you know six five and in his size. I mean, that, that that's exciting for Alabama fans out there. That's exciting to know that you got that in the well that you can pull up. Wake up! I, oh no! I. No, I agree. I agree 100%. I was, I was letting Marty finish his thought, but I think so. And I, I'm anxious to see this team, and 
I'm anxious to see what they look like in fall camp. I'm really anxious to see the newcomers like William was talking about earlier. I'm anxious to see Deshaun Hand, anxious to see Rayshon Evans a lot. And then another kid that hadn't, wasn't really talked about, but he's going to have to gain weight, much like Marlon, but he has elite abilities, Christian Miller. Uh, he's a guy that I think can eventually be an elite pass rusher. Obviously, you know, uh, you know, William talked about, uh, you know, uh, so a couple of the other guys like Josh Frazier. Joshua Frazier's made some uh, made some big time, you know, strides. And uh, Keith Holcomb as well. Keith Holcomb is very interesting. He's a guy that needs to gain weight, but could be an elite linebacker, especially somebody that can can go out in space and cover and help against spread and these hurry-up offenses that get everybody's consternation. But I'm just anxious to see all those guys. And you're anxious to see the true freshman left tackle Cameron Robinson and see the kind of strides he's made and see if he can become consistent. Because there'll be some growing pains, but if he can play at a high level early, then I think Alabama's offensive line is going to be much better than people think and could be better than last season. And also, we're going to have to see Dom Jackson. Can he beat out Leon Brown ultimately at right guard? Because I think that's going to be a battle to watch. Because And then to see what kind of progress Grant Hill has made. He struggled a little bit at right tackle in the spring last year, but Saban was still very high on him, played some center. And then you've got new guys in the mix there, and J.C. Hassenauer and Joshua Casher. So I think the offensive line is definitely going to be, uh, along with quarterback offensively, is going to be some of the areas that's being watched closely uh, in fall camp when it begins uh, Friday. One last question. I'll get off here, and hopefully somebody else will call in. But what what do you think the punishment for Jarrett Reed's going to be? You, you think it's going to be a, a a big time punishment, or you think that it's just going to be a few games? I think it's going to be one or two games, Marty. No more than two. Agreed. Well, good deal, guys. A great show, I man. Y'all bring a wealth of information. I, I, you know, I wish y'all could hook up. Sometimes I thought about this. Uh, in the past, if y'all could hook up with 99.1 and bring a recruiting show on to that after 8 o'clock after Ryan Fowler, I tell you what, I think it would be a great hit. I mean, I'm telling you, y'all guys have so much information. I don't hear it anywhere. And I follow Alabama football on all the sites, everything. But you guys bring more than anybody else does out there in Alabama football. Man, I, I, I just congratulate you. I appreciate what y'all do because it, it, it's fun to listen to you guys. Thank you, Marty. It really means a lot. Roll Tide. Yeah, it really does. Roll Tide, Marty. Roll Tide. All right. That was Marty from Gadsden, our number one caller here on Bands. But you, too, can call in. You still have time. Uh, the number is 714-510-3707. One more time, 714-510-3707. Drew, I wanted to ask you, since we haven't addressed them yet on this particular show, right. uh, why don't you talk about the uh, two or three emerging 2016 quarterbacks on Alabama's board? Yeah, absolutely. You know, one is actually in town today. And, uh, Jarrett, uh, I, I'm gonna, I may butcher the last name. I'm not sure if I can even say it correctly. But let me, let me, let me look at it real quick because I, I want to at least try to get it right. But, I think it's uh, Warrantino. Yeah, Jarrett Guarantano uh, from Virgin Catholic High School in New Jersey. Going to talk to him tomorrow, Kerry. I've already been texting with him tonight. Uh, He's in town. He got offered officially verbally uh, by Nick Saban and the staff. Uh, He's someone that they like a lot. They're going to take a quarterback in next year's class. Jacob Eason, as everybody thought, 
He ended up being a bulldog early. He considered Alabama, but they took Blake Barnett, which was the smartest thing they could have done because Eason, I think, was leaning to Georgia the whole time uh, from uh, from severe from uh, from the Lakeview Lake Stevens Washington area. And now they've also offered Shea Patterson, who came to the camp and threw very well at the last July Elite Camp. He's from Calvary Baptist High School uh, in Shreveport, Louisiana. He's a, a big-time prospect. And we've talked about uh, the, uh, the kid from California, K.J. Costello, I believe is his name. And he's somebody that they offered at the – I think he came in mid-June and kind of came in on a day visit. He didn't really camp at Alabama, but he's someone they like a lot. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see the pecking order and I'm going to hope to find out uh, some stuff from Jarrett tomorrow. But he's a kid from Virgin Catholic High School who was offered by Alabama verbally today, uh, and, and he and his family came down with him, and he spent some time with Coach Saban. And then two other guys that are sort of intriguing, at least to me, uh, Seth Green, the quarterback on J.C. Heisenhower's right. high school team, and then I believe he's Makai Brown's teammate, uh, Juwan Pass. Is that right? right. Mm-hmm. That's Talk correct. About those two, and I don't know if Juwan Pass is a quarterback or not, but – Certainly he appears to have an offer of some sort. Yeah, he's got an offer. I think they like him at quarterback. I think right now Alabama's third behind Notre Dame and Ohio State in that situation. Have tried to talk to Juwan Pass, have not been able to get in touch with him. But I know that he is a teammate of Makai Browns. They have offered him. And then Seth Green, you're right, quarterback from Minnesota. I heard he performed right up there. Almost He and, he and Patterson were the two best QBs. Good to bring those two guys up. He is from uh, – the Marbury, Minnesota area. He's from, you know, I believe it's East Ridge High School. He's a kid. He is J.C. Hasnauer's teammate. As he said, uh, they only they're a ground and pound team. He only throws about 12 passes a game in high school. But he, I think, he surprised the coaches with how well he threw the football. Has got offers from Minnesota, Wisconsin, and several Big Ten schools. But it's going to be interesting to see how that whole pecking order pans out because a year ago today. It was Ricky Town or Bust, and Blake Barnett had been verbally offered, but nobody knew much about him. So with a quarterback situation, as we've seen, Kerry, in six months it can change a lot. But it's telling that Alabama's already offered several 2016 signal callers, and there's no doubt they're going to take somebody in the class. You take one a year. To me, you can't start skipping years because quarterbacks is the hardest, one of the hardest positions to evaluate, and then you never know if they got it between the ears to be able to be great. And so you have to take one a year and with the injury-type situations. And there's only one football, and you know they transfer quite a bit too. We saw that with Parker McLeod already. And I've kind of been surprised Alec Morris is still on the football team. But, again, you have to really take one quarterback a year in each cycle. Okay. Now for a little bit tougher question. I know it's probably going to upset you a little bit, but I have to ask it. Uh, are we going to be having the same conversation in six months about John Broussard that we had about most Smitherman? hopefully not now he did release his top six this past week carry and alabama was not in it but he did tell everyone that that was because he did not have an offer from alabama if he did have an offer they would easily be in the top six he's a young man that's got a lot of family ties that he moved from louisiana so he's not a native alabamian so to speak lsu may be hard to beat for him but i think alabama saw him at camp finally he put off the first two camps finally came to the last one Worked out, did a good job. Kirby Smart's his lead recruiter. I would expect Alabama to make a move with him because, to me, at Spain Park at the Combine, he was the best DB there, better than most Smith and better than everybody. You know, Freddie Kirby noticed him first. I think he's an elite talent. He's only a little over six feet tall, but he has long arms, great, uh, you know, great length. 
and I think he could be a shutdown corner, and I think Alabama will turn the heat up on him now. You know, it does not help Alabama in a way. Now, it's kind of funny. You brought up Jamie Dubose tonight. Jamie Dubose is now his head coach at Central of Phoenix City, but Woodrow Lowe is not. Woodrow Lowe was not retained. Uh, Alabama legend, one of the best linebackers in Tide history. So I don't know how much help Alabama will get on the coaching staff. So we will see there. But, again, the main competition for Bruce Hart, he likes Auburn as well, but the main competition is going to be LSU. So Alabama, I expect them to get heavily involved with Bruce Hart. But as we've seen, and with that, if Alabama can get Kendall Sheffield, their last two classes in the secondary have been rather really, really good. But I, I still expect things to change, and I don't think it'll be a Maurice Smithman-type situation with Bruce Hart, who, no disrespect to Maurice, who I think is a really, really good football player and could end up being an NFL guy, but I think Bruce Hart is even better. Right. Now, moving back to the, uh, to the 15 class, um, has anything at all changed about the tight end situation? Uh, do they take one, or do they just take the current commitment and move them to tight end? It's going gonna, it's gonna to come down to Will, Will Gregg, what they feel about Gregg. Need to speak to Gregg again after his last visit. He, but except I think he's coming back this weekend for fall camp like a lot of them are. Uh, he's visited Alabama several times. He's a guy I think they're still very interested in. Uh, he's at Dumas High School now in Arkansas. His dad is now a superintendent over there of the school system. Uh, Arkansas, he has you know family ties there. His brother Chris was a tight end with the Hogs. So they're going to have to be dealt with, and so are the Ole Miss Rebels. But as we know from what uh, our boy Bo Pelini said this week, a lot of people realize why people go to Ole Miss. But, uh, but, but see, the, but the thing about that is, is I think the guy to watch is going to be another uh, interesting guy is going to be DeAndre McNeil uh, from uh, Poteet High School in, uh, in Texas. He's, he came to Alabama's last camp. He impressed the staff. He's a guy to be more of an H, but he's got really good speed, and he's uh, about 6'2", about 235 pounds. He's somebody to watch. If they don't think they're going to get Greg, Alabama could make a move on McNeil, but we'll just have to see uh, from Mesquite, Texas, if, if they decide to go that route. And do you think they would take Devin Air Clarington? I think they would if they could get him, but I expect him to be a hurricane, even though it's very interesting who his head coach is, Kerry, and do you know who that man is and his connections to Alabama? I guess I don't. Cedric Irvin. So former, uh, he was a running back at Michigan State under Saban and was a, was a GA at Alabama in the 2009 season before moving on to the University of Memphis with Mike DeBose and those guys, and, and that, that lasted a year, and now he's in the high school ranks back in his native state of Florida, but he is the head football coach for Devin Eric Clarington. All right. Uh, now, a guy that you and I have discussed numerous times on the show, and we thought all along Alabama was going to get him, but somehow he committed to Florida State, uh, junior college defensive end to DJ is it Johnson, DJ uh, DJ Jones, DJ Jones. What what happened mm-hmm. there? Well, I just think it was uh, one of those things where uh, FSU had, had sold him. He went on a visit there. They sold him on the coming into play early, and uh, Alabama has uh, got a rather stacked defensive line, even though two of his teammates are there. And uh, they, I just think honestly. Uh, he felt like he could play quicker at FSU. Um, I, and I think that Alabama, with the numbers being so tight, Kerry, I think they've decided to make Deron Payne the biggest priority. I really like D.J. Jones. I want him to be the back counter in the class. But uh, unless something dramatic changes, I think he's going to be a Seminole. Final question before we wrap up on time. Uh, does Alabama have any shot at Jacques Patrick, or is it Seminoles all the way? 
I think they have a shot, Kerry. I'm never going to say no. He, he stayed, and it's always good when a kid stays four days. He stayed from Sunday through Wednesday at the last elite camp. Have, have efforted to get a hold of him, but he doesn't talk much. Have not been able to talk with him. He did go directly to FSU after the trip to Alabama. Uh, from what I understand, being the class individual that he is, Rick Trickett had some choice words about Alabama when uh, in classes used in jest. When uh, Jacquez Patrick showed up, and Jacquez even admitted that to someone he talked to, I think Chris Knee of Warchant.com. But I think Florida State's in solid position with him. But Alabama's not going to give up. I think he's the top back left on the board. I really don't really think they're going to be able to flip Jovan Robinson and carry on Johnson. I think both those guys are going to the Auburn Tigers. So I think Jacquez Patrick is the guy they're going to concentrate on. And if they don't get Jacquez, I don't think they'll take another back along. They'll just go with Desarius Flowers and just be done with it. Because as you know, there has been some of the running backs get in trouble. But they, you know, that's a position right now that Alabama feels pretty good about, especially if Bo Scarborough qualifies. Yeah, and Bo probably won't get a ton of playing time this year. I think he'll redshirt, Kerry. If he if he's not clear till mid August, you're gonna see Bo Scarborough probably redshirt, even though he's an elite talent. And that would kind of preclude the need to to the, the urgency of signing one this class. You just have to get one next class. Absolutely, and I think it would do Bo a lot of good to redshirt. And a little bit of bad news: we've just been informed via our producer Thomas Watts that Seattle Seahawks defensive lineman Jesse Williams was carted off the field at practice today. That can't wow. be good. Uh, he continues to struggle with injuries. I don't know the seriousness of it yet, so keep Jesse in your prayers because he already had to miss one season, and I know he don't want to miss another one. Right, and he, he showed a lot of toughness at Alabama. He stayed on the field for two years, and I know a lot of Tide fans remember he aggravated a knee in the SEC championship game but came back and then played you know, in the, in the national championship game. A two-time national champion and a great guy, and we hope that it's not a serious situation, but it doesn't sound great with the Seahawks. But hopefully Jesse will be back soon and get a chance to get on the field with it and make their defense even deeper and better because the Seahawks obviously are the Super Bowl champs. Exactly. Well, it's been another great show. Uh, we thank all the listeners for tuning in. We thank Thomas Watts for producing. I thank Drew DiArmond for co-hosting and lining up the guests. Uh, we thank Brandon Kennedy. We thank Ronnie Harrison. We thank William Redfish Barger. Uh, but it's time to wrap it up. It's a little after, little after the hour, one minute after the hour here. It's been another great week, and we look forward to uh, coming back and joining you again next week. So for Thomas Watts and Drew DeArmond, I'm Kerry Clark saying, Roll Tide, everybody. Roll Tide.